initially was going to give the first 20 people access to me where they can email me anytime I'll answer questions. And then I got more than 20 purchases cause I was going to do it for everyone. Cause I thought it'd be like 20. I was like, all right, I'll just make it a thing where you can email me. I'll review your products. Welcome back to young smart money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today we have Tanner J Fox on the show. Tanner is doing some massive things online. He is in his young twenties. Last year he made over a million dollars online through a couple different business models that we get all into in this video. He started out on Amazon FBA, branched out into a bunch of different revenue streams. We're going to break down all of those and how you can get started both on Amazon FBA and then in all these other business models as well. Throughout the episode, Tanner is going to share exactly what it takes for you to create a successful online business. So without further ado, sit back, relax, whether you're out there walking the dog, commuting to work, wherever you are, just plug in, relax, and enjoy the interview. All right, Tanner, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So like our listeners heard in the intro, you are currently last year, you made over a million dollars online. So for our listeners that aren't super familiar with who you are and what you're currently up to, can you fill them in on how you were able to do that? What your main businesses are at this time? Then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into those individually. Yeah. So I started entrepreneurship about four years ago. Uh, I originally started with selling on Amazon and then started to move towards things like YouTube and selling information products like courses and whatnot. So my income last year was made up of the digital products. So income from that, income from an Amazon business, income from consulting and little other things like affiliate marketing and YouTube ad revenue. And then those are kind of the main things. Everything else is very little. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So I always like to dive back to the beginnings of the people that I have on the show. So flashing back to when you were in middle school, when you were in high school, were you the kid that was like in the back of the class slinging like Snickers bars and stuff like that and like burning CDs and selling those or like, what did that look like for you? It was entrepreneurship. You said you started four years ago. So what did that look like for you? Um, when I was younger, I was never kind of an entrepreneur. I never had that mindset. I was very focused on sports and that was pretty much it. Um, growing up, I knew I wanted to do something business related as a career or it was either that or sports. And when I got to high school, I didn't really know. So graduated high school, started going to community college and I was kind of bored. I didn't have many friends. So I was bored over summer and I decided to start looking up ways to make money online, start Googling things, watching YouTube. And eventually Amazon came up. And I started looking more into that and doing a lot of research over the next couple months and eventually started an Amazon store. Awesome. So what was the draw for you towards sports when you were, when you were growing up? Was it like the competitive side of things? Was it the physical side of things? Or like, what was the draw for you to, to sports? I was always very like hyper as a kid, uh, very competitive as well. So it was definitely the competition and wanting to always be doing something. So probably both aspects, a lot, the competitive side though. Okay. Did that, did that transition into business? Like now in business, are you pretty competitive with what you're working on in your different projects and businesses? Or is that sort of phased out? Um, not so much with business. I'm competitive with myself when it okay. comes to that. Um, but I feel like it's almost harder to be in business because there's always so many ups and downs. I guess there are with everything, but I feel like more so in business. So it's almost hard to be just straight competitive with business. There's definitely aspects where I am competitive and I'm still very competitive with other things, 
especially if you're talking about like video games or board games <laughs> or sports still like that. Uh, but I'd say I'm just competitive with myself with business. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So flashing back to when you're looking up ways to start making money online, you come across selling on Amazon. What made that a route that you wanted to stick with? Because I'm sure you came across many different avenues that you could have pursued for making money online, whether that be um, social media marketing or drop shipping or, or any number of other things that you could have been doing. So what made you um, drawn to selling on Amazon in particular? It seemed the easiest to me. So I was looking at multiple things. I was looking at Shopify, Amazon, affiliate marketing. With affiliate marketing and drop shipping, you normally have to be good with Facebook ads, and that was very intimidating to me at the start. I didn't want to spend money or write them, or I didn't know how to do all that. Amazon seemed straight to the point, and it was very numbers-based, which is how I think. So it was easy for me to jump into that. And then I started looking at things like social media marketing, things along those lines. And anything where I have to go in person to talk to people or do any sales, I was not good at and made me feel very nervous and awkward. So I avoided those at all costs. Okay. So would you say you're an introvert? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so was that one of like the main, the main draws to Amazon was like, you don't have to do any like client facing things at all. And it's really just like all online. Yeah. I want something that was like a hundred percent me didn't have to involve anyone else. Okay. So getting started, what did that look like for you? Cause it sounds like that was kind of like your first entrepreneurial venture. So were, were you, did you have mentors that you were looking up to? Were there like YouTube videos that you were watching or what did that process look like for you to get into this first venture? Yeah. So I started, like I said, in summer and I probably researched for five months before I actually started. Cause I started, I think it was the end of summer. And then I started in late December early January. And it was all pretty much Googling at the start. And then once I learned about Amazon, what it was, it was all watching YouTube videos. There's a couple of smaller channels I watched. It was no one person in general. It was just all random things. And I would take notes on them every day, write it down and then go try it out on Amazon, whether it's trying to find a product is the main thing. So that's what I would go do. I'd look around and I'd come back and I did that for, like I said, I learned for five months because it is a, an in-depth process. And then I started trying it myself. I got my first product and fast forward six months, I failed three products in a row and the next one was successful, but that was kind of like my learning curve was trying out three products, failing on those, and then figuring out, looking at information what I was doing wrong, fixing that. And then the next one was successful. And then most of them there on out. I dig it. I dig it. So what made you feel like after five months that you were ready to actually get started? Like what was it about all the content you'd been taking in the notes you'd been taking? What was it that made you ready to take that leap or, or feel ready to take that leap? Everything I was reading became repetitive. I felt like I knew a good amount of the information and the only way to get past where I was learning wise was to actually do it. And I'd been waiting to do it um, because I wanted to start like a business. My parents don't want me to do it without starting a business yet because it's a liability for them. But I did it anyway before I started it. So it was thinking about that. And a lot of it was just finding the right product. So I should have started sooner probably because it doesn't take five months. I could have started within a month and still got the same results. Um, when you say you had three failed products, walk me through what those looked like. How much money were you investing into those? How much did you lose? What was the learning behind that? Like what did, what did that process look like? Okay, so when I started, when I was sourcing my first product, I had about 
it was like $1,500 or $2,000 in my bank account. And that was all I had to my name. And my first order was $1,200. It was like 200 units, 250 units of a product, which was a camping hammock. And I ordered it. I got the product within about a month, listed it on Amazon at the end of December. Got some good sales initially because December, Christmas time, yep. then January it slowed down and I realized it was a bad product because it started selling very slow. So on Amazon, my goal is always to get 10 sales a day with each product I have or more. So this was getting one to three sales a day. So I had to wait for that product to sell out before I could go start another one. So like I said, I had 200 units. So from January, I think I sold maybe 60 in December from January to I think it was like mid-February, I sold slowly and had to sell out selling one to three a day and then use that money to start my next one. And I did that three times. First product was way too competitive. Second one didn't have enough sales. Third one ended up being patented. And then the fourth one was successful. All right, so walk us through the process of finding a successful Amazon product. I know it's extremely in-depth, but like at a ground level, you said some are too competitive, some are not competitive enough. How do you figure out whether a product has the sort of sales volume for you to, for it to be worth it for you to come in and start selling that product yourself? So I use certain tools that show me what the actual sales are on Amazon. Okay. So that's obviously how you can measure demand. And how you gauge competition on Amazon is usually somewhat based off sales, but also based off of how many reviews they have. Mm. And the whole goal with Amazon is trying to figure out where you can rank yourself for a certain keyword. So if someone's typing in camping hammock, am I going to be on page one or am I going to be on page 20? And mm. that's where the competition comes into play, knowing what factors into what and where you think you could be based off of the sales, the reviews, a couple different factors. Okay. That makes sense. Now, when there's so many people out there selling, say, camping hammocks on Amazon, how are you able to sort of establish yourself and, and rank yourself uh, for that keyword when there are so many other people out there selling pretty much the exact same thing? So with the camping hammock, I wasn't able to, but okay. with other products, the same thing in general you're saying sure. is you have to match whatever sales they're getting. So if someone on the first page is getting 15 sales a day, I need to start getting around that and get some good reviews and have my conversion rate on my listing be good. And then I'll rank up towards them. It's all based off sales. Amazon's ranking algorithm is 95% how many sales you're getting. So if you can match that somehow and you can do that through running ads on Amazon, which are very easy, or you can give away some of your product, lose a little bit of money up front, you rank and then you start getting organic sales. I mean, that totally makes sense because Amazon's in it to make money. So the products that are making them money, they want to put those in front of more people. So when it comes to um, sort of establishing when it was time to shift to a new product, like how, how did you know that um, even though that product wasn't getting as many sales, if it was your first product, how did you know that that was kind of a dud? Did you have other uh, case studies you'd seen online to compare that to? Or, or how did, how were you like benchmarking whether or not the product was successful? The first product, I just didn't know as much as I should have. Mm -hmm. It was blatantly obvious. It was too competitive. And after learning and using the tools I use now, which I didn't for my first product, I learned, okay, this is way too competitive. So that's how I knew it. That one, the other one I ranked on the first page and was only getting three sales a day, five sales a day. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm ranked number like two or three for this. It's a low profit margin. I'm making like $10 a day. 
And the third one, I got a message saying it's patented and would be sued if I didn't stop selling. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good sign that you need to pivot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from, from selling on Amazon, you've shifted into a bunch of different business models. Talk about the first business model that you expanded into once you had found some success on Amazon and why you decided to make that pivot. I actually started trying the social media marketing for about a month and decided I hated it. <laughs> and I wanted to build a business that would, I feel like it's a real business, but you're still building other people's businesses. And it's based off that. Um, I didn't want something like that. So I started messing around with affiliate marketing and YouTube, uh, mainly YouTube. I would start making content because I saw, I got asked so many times by people for me to make a course even before I started YouTube about how to do it. Just people I knew mm -hmm. um, because they saw the success on Amazon. And then I started YouTube, ended up making a couple videos and got a bunch of people asking me to make a course. So I ended up making that course and that's kind of how I dove into YouTube. And then I started seeing the potential with information products. And that's really when I started to learn marketing in general online. Mm, 100%. Um, what was it about YouTube that sort of drew you in and made you want to pursue that route over something like, I don't know, growing a Facebook page or starting a podcast? What was, what was the draw to YouTube? Um, I'm not good at speaking or writing, I guess. I was going to say I'm not good <laughs> at writing, but um, I wasn't very good at speaking. My friend kind of made me start. You've interviewed him, Ryan. Um, yeah. Told me he had like 100 subscribers. He's like, start it. I'm like, no, I can't speak on camera. I feel super awkward. And he kind of made me and it felt super weird but I felt like I had to take the opportunity. I've watched YouTube for so long. I watch YouTube instead of TV and I saw all the people making money that are just influencers, whether it's in the fitness niche or the video game or whatever it is. Um, so I started with the goal of making ad revenue from YouTube. Didn't think I would be selling a course or information products or that like marketing guy. I thought I would just be like me putting content out that might help people. Okay. And when you started, did you see immediate traction? Did it take a while for things to pick up or, or what did that look like? Um, it was pretty quick for a new channel. I got 800 subscribers in the first month, month and a half. Uh, I was uploading pretty much every day. Wow. It's funny. My second video is one of my most popular videos still, the second one I've ever uploaded. Uh, and it was just giving out content and it just kind of built off of each one. And I think three or four months in, I was at 10,000 subscribers. So it was growing relatively quick. And then I just kept doing the daily uploads for about a year. And that's really when I saw the progress. Wow. So you really went all in on this thing. Like your buddy Ryan said, start a YouTube channel. And you were like, all right, I'll make a video every single day. Well, I wasn't going to do that at first, but then that was really the only thing I was working on. I didn't know what else to work on. My Amazon business was running. I didn't have to do much. I could do research here and there, but I want something I could work on every day. And YouTube ended up being that. So I was like, all right, I guess this is the only thing I can work on. I'm just gonna make a video every day. <laughs> that's, that's definitely one way to do it. So at that point, you said your Amazon business was pretty hands-off. Um, talk to us about how your Amazon business was running at that point, because it seems like you'd found some successful products and it was kind of just running. What were sort of the maintenance activities? Were you paying for ads? Were you researching new products actively? Or what did that look like? So I would research products probably once a week for a couple hours. Uh, that was probably still the main time consuming thing. If I want to start new products, everything else is kind of on autopilot. The only things I had to do was check up on my ads, make sure they're still converting well. 
Uh, they're mainly all on Amazon, so it's super simple to do that. And I just optimize it each week. And then I would just message suppliers if I was running low on inventory and order more if I needed it. But those were really the only activities and just checking up on the listings. Okay. When, how, how did you know whether it was time to expand to a new product or just like keep dumping money into current products? What did that look like? Um, so with Amazon, the products usually have a long life. Mm -hmm. It's not, unless you're doing things that are trends. So I'd always, I'd hit a certain amount where, okay, I'm ranked on the first page. I'm selling 40 units of this a day. How much inventory do I need? I don't need to order 10,000 units. I can keep two months of inventory and then order more because I know I can get it within a month. So I'd stop at that point. That money would just be sitting in there. And when they'd sell, I'd take the profit and use that same initial money to buy another batch. And it was just a matter of finding the products because it does take time on Amazon to find the product. So if I found a new one, I would start it and put the money into it. Mm, that definitely, that definitely makes sense. Uh, when it comes to finding products, what were some of your most effective strategies for finding them other than just like, uh, I mean, you mentioned looking at the sales volume and how many other people were moving. Do you have any like, not really tricks of the trade, but other like not as obvious ways that you went in and found some, some products? Honestly, not really. It was all based off of the numbers and just took time of sorting through it and seeing what was there. Uh, a couple of little things I did, it all comes down to the numbers, but how I initially find the product to check the numbers. Uh, I'd look at Alibaba. I tried looking at things in stores, but I didn't find much success with that. Um, it was just looking on different websites. Honestly, just looking through Amazon and using those tools was how I found 95% of my products. All right. Definitely, definitely makes sense. When you were just starting off and just starting to sell products, did you come across any huge like snags or roadblocks when it comes to like logistics? Because if you were ordering the stuff off Alibaba and it was coming from China and it was taking a while, um, were there any big, like really severe um, things that you ran into that really slowed down your business or, or really held you up for a while? Nothing crazy. My first order, if you're using sea shipping, you need a freight forwarder. And I didn't know that. But luckily, my supplier told me. And uh, yeah, if I didn't have that supplier, uh, it would have got stuck at customs and I would have had to deal with that. It would have been a little more money and the roadblock. The biggest thing I probably had was Amazon remove my listing. Uh, and it was my big one that was probably making 10, 15,000 a month in profit and have that taken down for over a month uh, and just working on getting that back. That was really scary and a big roadblock for me. Was that your first product that was having success? That was my very first product that was doing well too. Wow. So it was like 100% of my income at the time. How did, you, how did you deal with that? I was freaking out. I was just messaging them every single day, looking at new products to start still. And I was going to stick with it no matter what. Why, why did they end up taking you down? Was it like some kind of like terms of service thing or just like their algorithm flagged you? It was something weird with a category and it being in the wrong category and them thinking I was trying to manipulate something and then took about a month to settle and then they took it down again, but then I got it back within a week and then it stayed. Jeez. So, that's, yeah. that's gotta be extremely stressful. Like you've just started to find success and then your one source of income is just like out the window. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of the big things when it comes to like relying on somebody else for your source of income, whether that be like YouTube ads or selling on Amazon. Cause like you don't, like you own the products, but like you don't own that site. You don't own your yep. ranking spot. So you've got a lot of your eggs in their basket. 
Exactly. So talk to me about how, how you expanded from, so now you're selling on Amazon, you've got your YouTube channel, people are telling you to make a course. Was that sort of the next avenue you went down? Yeah. My goal, again, at the start wasn't like, okay, I'm going to figure out the course game because I see Ty Lopez and all <laughs> well, those. People are asking, it would be cool if I make, if I sold 40 of my courses, I was going to be stoked. Yeah. And selling a lot more and seeing the potential of it. So I just kept making YouTube videos to promote the course, just bring people to the YouTube channel and grow both. So that was my goal for like the next year. 100%. And you launched that course when you had a fairly small YouTube following, if I'm not mistaken. 800 subscribers. 800 subscribers. And you were still able to do some pretty, you were able to move a lot of those, right? Yeah. The first month I launched it where it wasn't even a full month, I made 50,000 off of it. So I sold a hundred courses because it's $500. Then the next month was like 125,000 from it. And then the next one was over 300,000. It was crazy. Wow. But Was that all from organic YouTube? 100% organic. That's ridiculous. That is, that means you must have had an extremely, extremely dedicated audience at that point. I did at the start. Yeah. Everyone was very dedicated because it's small. So a couple of reasons, people love new faces. So it would be very hard for me to duplicate that again, because obviously my numbers are about a third of that now, Mm -hmm. but even with organically, I was only getting three to 400 new subscribers a day and I was getting anywhere from usually seven to ten, eleven thousand dollars a day in course sales. Wow. So that conversion rate, it was about eight to ten percent of my YouTube audience, which is insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And that lasted for about six, seven months at that rate of like three hundred thousand a month. That's obnoxious. So at that point you just had a lot of people coming into your course. Um with the way your course is structured, is there any part that like relies on you? Like do you do weekly calls or is it really just like once they buy it, it's it's they're just they're just doing it? So I initially was gonna give the first twenty people access to me where they can email me anytime, I'll answer questions, and then I got more than 20 purchases because I was going to do it for everyone because I thought it would be like 20. I was like, all right, I'll just make it a thing where you can email me. I'll review your products. I'll help you find one and do all that. And I offered that to everyone and I still do. Uh, But now that I have, I think like 7,000 people in there, it's not as much work. It was a lot at one point where 80% of my workday would be answering emails for students. Wow. Uh, But that was fine with me. Really? Yeah. Okay. So with, with your students, what is, what is your, what's your main goal there? Like what, what's your motivation behind working with students individually? I mean, I feel like it's, if you're spending $500 on a course, you should be able to ask them basic questions if the course doesn't cover it. Uh, now that's going to come with a bunch of stupid questions, obviously things that aren't relevant, but I feel like that's something that should be there and something I'd want in the course. Uh, and that's one of the reasons a lot of people bought it. So that was the main reason at the beginning was I thought I'd sell more courses because of that. And I that did. makes sense. But then and it also helps them. So yeah, exactly. And like people know you, they want to hear from you. That's why they're buying the course. So giving them that access is, is really, it's, I mean, that's, that's something that not a lot of people are doing, especially when they've got 7,000 students in an online course. Um, so that definitely sets you apart from, from a lot of the other people out there. Yeah. Uh, so with, with that and with getting all of those inquiries, did you ever or have you ever started outsourcing that and bringing on additional like members of your team and coaches to like moderate that or, or is it still literally all on you? It's, I have an assistant 
that will filter my emails and my messages on social media, okay. um, but won't answer anything Amazon related. I've trained her kind of to get the basic stuff, but anything when it comes to like reviewing products or anything like that, it's always me answering and it's only me. Uh, but anything super basic or technical, almost like support, uh, is her. Okay. And do you have additional members of your team that now do other things for you, whether that be product research or doing stuff on your course? Um, or is it really, is, is, is your business literally just you and your assistant? It's pretty much just me and my assistant. Um, at one point I was outsourcing a lot of my Amazon stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but just with how it was going, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And it wasn't a ton of work anyway. So I kind of just let that sit on autopilot. That's kind of my back burner now, uh, just running. And then everything else, I feel like it would take me so long to train someone to do that it's more beneficial for me to do, unless it's something super repetitive. Uh, but anything when it comes to like building out a course or a website or different funnels or ads for stuff like that, I don't feel comfortable outsourcing that. That's one of the biggest drawbacks to me is I always want to do everything. I don't feel comfortable outsourcing it. And that's going to be one of the reasons that my growth slows down. So that's something I'm trying to get better at. Mm, that makes sense. And I mean, that's, that's really tough because a lot of the things that you're doing are at least they feel very like dependent on you because you want to do the best job possible. You want to provide the best service possible. You want to really make a good name for yourself. And if you hand that off to somebody else, there's the potential for that not to, to go as well as you would do it because frankly, nobody is going to care as much about your business as you are. So uh, that's, that's one of the big, big things for me, especially like starting to um, bring on more members of my team. It's, it's always very stressful because like, I, I want to make sure that they're, they're upholding my name and my brand and my values, but it's, it's tough because they, they don't care as much as I do. Yeah. A lot of it for me is I'm not good at getting my point across with what I want done. Oh. So like recently I've been trying to get like graphic design stuff, like images mm -hmm. and I'll explain it. And then they'll not like because in the images, it needs to be, you have to understand sales a little bit in order to make them yeah. right. And they just don't get it. And that's mainly my fault for not being able to articulate that to them enough. Mm. So that's something I got to work on too. But I'm like, all right, screw this. I know Photoshop now. I'm doing <laughs> it. So I just, just before this, I was making a logo for something new and actually turned out okay. But I'm not artsy at all. That's, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same boat with you there. So walk us through like what your typical day-to-day -day looks like. I know no day is typical, um, especially in, in the life of an entrepreneur, but like on your average day, like do you have a morning routine? Do you block out time for specific tasks? What, is, what does that look like for you? So I do pretty much the same thing every single day. Uh, wake up, eat breakfast, go to the gym, come home, eat lunch, work, usually starting at like 10, 30, 11. And then I'll usually work till four to six, depending. Um, and then I'll either go hang out with friends, do something or play video games, just relax at home. Okay. Pretty, pretty standard. What kind of video games are you playing these days? Uh, mainly Overwatch. Okay. Solid, solid. Did you go through any phases with any other, any other games in the last couple of years? Uh, I played Rocket League for a while, but that's pretty much been it the last two years. <laughs> Dang. All right. Very, very consistent in your schedule. Is that something that uh, you feel is, is very advantageous to you and something that, that really helps you stay on track? Yeah, my, if like the gym and work every single day, same time, does not change no matter what. Unless something super rare, I have to change the time. But that's the same thing every single day, every day of the week. And if I don't stick to that, I feel off. Um, my mood is bad. Uh, I'm kind of irritable and I can't focus well. 
So having to stick with that is kind of just what I need. I'm always very routine oriented, uh, has negatives and positives, but yeah, it's something I pretty much have to do. Okay. Um, and within that block of work, uh, do you designate like specific times every single day for like, okay, now I'm going to respond to students. Now I'm going to check in on Amazon. Now I'm going to do this. Or is it very much just like what needs to be done today is what I'm going to do today? Um, it's usually the second one. What needs to be done is done <laughs> at the start, right before I start like actually working, working, I'll check on Amazon. Uh, from the moment I wake up till I go to sleep, I'm always doing emails just on my phone. So I'd never dedicate a period on my computer where I'll do that. But if I'm like playing video games in between, I'll answer emails or things like that. Just anytime I'm have my phone and not really doing anything specific. Uh, the rest of the time, the first hour or two is dedicated to whatever is going to take the most brain power. Mm. So like today I was trying to figure out some different like angles and hooks for a sales page. Mm. And that takes a lot for me because it's not something I'm good at. So it takes a lot of brain power. And then like later after this, I'll probably start doing Photoshop stuff, messing around with that, doing images and whatnot, because don't need as much brain power. It's a little bit more mindless. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so you, so with, with a, a schedule that's very much uh, like rigid, um, do you travel much or are you really just like pretty much you, you hang out where you hang out and that's, that's it? Yeah, I don't travel much. Um, I'm not a fan in the future. I think I'll definitely travel, but it's, I feel worse traveling than I do staying here. Hmm. I enjoy going out doing things once in a while, but, um, I don't take vacations. I don't like traveling, uh, because I don't work well. Uh, if I miss my routine, I get like addiction headaches if I miss the gym. So hmm. if I don't go to the gym by noon, I'll have a headache the rest of the day until I go. Uh, I looked it up and it's not because of like caffeine or endorphins or whatnot. It's an addiction headache. So my body's so used to it and that routine. Because so I've been going every day for over four years now. Wow. Never missed a day. Uh, I have. Okay. 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 Uh, sick. I feel like or, dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Like I, I don't, my routine isn't as like strict as that. And I do have some flexibility in like times of doing things, but it's, it's pretty much wake up, eat food, go to the gym, come back, work, and then have the rest of the night. And if I don't do that, like when I'm traveling, it does, it really does throw me off. I don't think I get like headaches from that, but it, it, it doesn't feel as good. Um, probably tired the rest of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. Tired if I don't have my routine. Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, it's exhausting to not have that because when I, when I am in my routine, it doesn't take as much willpower. Cause I'm just like, this is what I do. This is when I do it. Um, and then when I don't have that, I'm like, well, what do I do right now? Like it's 10 o'clock and I haven't been to the gym yet and I don't know what's happening. So it's, yeah. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. Mm, it's the exact same for me. <laughs> so, so in growing these multiple businesses, have you had strong mentors? Oh. Um, no. I haven't had, I wouldn't say I've had a mentor ever. Really? Uh, yeah. It was just all learning on YouTube or Google. Majority of the information was free or I'd buy a course. Um, never any of like the big guys courses though. It was someone I think who had like 2000 subscribers and I bought an Amazon one. Um, and now I buy courses just more as like a research purpose. Hmm. Uh, see what other people are doing and kind of get ideas. As far as I had a business partner uh, Dan De Silva. Yeah. And he kind of, he would do like my advertising building, like funnels and web pages. And that kind of introduced me to that whole space. Cause that was all so foreign and so difficult. And I felt like I wasn't good enough to do those. 
But the last year I've learned so much of that just because he introduced me to it. He didn't even teach me it, but I went out and like learned it. And now that's my favorite thing to work on and just something I'm very passionate about. Really? That's very interesting because um, I, I met Dan at the, uh, at the ClickFunnels event a couple months ago over in Nashville. Um, and, and yeah, he's, he's killing it with the, with the Facebook ad side of things. But I, I heard that you spent over, I think it was $150,000 or more on like social media ads alone last year. Yeah, I think we spent just for one course, I think it was like 180000 Wow. Um, it should be, that was only running from, shoot, when was it? That was only for like a three month period. And was and that all off for like a launch? Were you, were you designing all of those or was Dan on your, on your team at that point? No, no, no. He did all of those. Okay. Anything you've seen has been him. Um, except for now and out, it will be me. Okay. Okay. Solid. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting space and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to it. Do you have any, any tips for, for our listeners that might be wanting to learn more about Facebook ads, where to get started, any good resources? Um, I started with the Facebook blueprint course. I think it's called the blueprint course. Mm -hmm. Is it blueprint? I think something like that. I started there, but honestly just random YouTube videos about whatever you're trying to learn. If you're trying to learn targeting or how objectives work or whatever it is, Mm. just YouTube it and then try and spy on the big guys. What are they doing? There's tons of people making tons of money with it that you might not even know. Sam Lovins, Dan Henry, any of those guys making $30,000 a day is more. Yeah, absolutely. I heard, um, I met Kevin David at the event as well. And he said, he told me he was spending like 15 to $20,000 a day on Facebook ads, um, alone. And yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, yeah, exactly. Like there's people and you can literally see what their ads are. Like you can go on their Facebook page. You can see their exact ads. You can see their copy. You can see their images. You can see where the, the landing page that it's taking people exactly. to. Um, and, and just the, the, all of the information that's available to people, it's, it's amazing that, that you just have access to all of that. And when you, when you think that you don't have the resources you need, it's like, it's all literally right there. It's funny. If you look at all the big guys, they all copy each other and you'll see it stems (laughs) from one guy and everyone else is super similar. So I was looking, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll copy like this guy's a little bit. So it's all about like stealing little things, obviously not like directly, but it is. And then I'm like, wait, he took it from this guy. And I'm like, wait. (laughs) And then just goes all the way up. And I'm like, huh, okay. Exactly. I, I like to call it stealing like an artist um, and just like repurposing all the little things from everybody that you see working and that you think, okay, this is on brand for me. This could, this could do a little twist here. Um, and and that's, really, that's really been really effective for me in, in being able to, to grow and scale. Yeah, that's still what I do is mainly copying their techniques and then make them my own. Exactly, exactly. So um, that being said, do you have any examples of, of big challenges that you have faced in your business um, or just like huge roadblocks that, that you've come across? Because I know a lot of our listeners um, are, are going through things. I get messages every single day of people like running into huge snags in their business. And do you have any, any examples that, that you could share with our listeners that might make you a little bit more relatable? Because right now you're at this place where you're making all this money, you're having all this success, but, but I'm sure there were some, some struggles for you throughout that process. Yeah, most of them were the Amazon ones I was mentioning. There's a bunch of little things like that along the way. Um, as far as the past year or so or two, uh, the only thing I had, it's not going to be relatable to them, but I had all of my accounts hacked into through anything that was connected to my Gmail. So I lost my YouTube. I lost my Gmail. I lost my Amazon account. I lost some investment accounts where I lost about, I think it was like $300,000 that I had 
And the only thing I was able to get back was my YouTube channel. Everything else was just gone. Uh, so that was probably the biggest thing. Wow. And that was just a result of your Gmail account getting hacked and then they just got access to everything. Yeah. They went through my phone carrier, changed my phone number to a burner phone they had, got a copy of SIM card reset, uh, and said, forgot password on the email and it would send it to that phone because that number was linked and they got everything through there. Dang. That's rough, dude. That's really rough. Yeah. <laughs> I got the YouTube channel back and that's all that really mattered. So that's I worth guess. more than yeah, the money. Dang. That's, that's, that's wild. So, yeah. So in your business, how do you decide what to focus on? Because clearly you have a lot of different avenues. Um, how do you decide which things take precedent, which things take priority? Because I know for myself, um, if, if I've got a couple different projects that I'm working on at any given time, it can be tricky to decide, okay, today I could be working on this, I could be working on this, I could be working on this. How do you decide which things get your time in what order? Usually my main focus, like all the little things I'll do and I'll do those every day. Like the things I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. Uh, but normally I'll have one big project I'm working on and it has so many different parts. So as far as like deciding on that, like, I don't know if you can see my whiteboard, there's a ton of like categories and different things I need to do for them. It's, it's hard. I try and go in a logical order, but there's never like a straight logical order. So it will depend what I'm feeling like. Some days I feel like making a YouTube video while other days I feel like just sitting there like typing or some days I only research because I don't know what to do. So I try and get some ideas. Hmm. I mean, that, that, that definitely makes sense. And just being able to organize your thoughts is extremely valuable because I know there'll be times where I have a million thoughts in my head. And if I don't like spend like five minutes, just write everything out, it can be really, really overwhelming because I don't even know like what all the different pieces are that I need to be thinking about and putting together. Yeah, that's how I was a couple of days ago. So that resulted in that. <laughs> now I'll just turn around and be like, what do I need to do? Like, exactly. Eh, I don't want to do that now. I don't want to do that. I don't know how to do that yet. So. <laughs> so how do you decide on your big projects? If you've got like one big project you're working on at a time, how do you think of them? How do you decide which ones are worth your time? How do you um, decide when it's time to pivot? Um, the pivoting one's hard to figure out. Uh, it, you really just got to go off of feel. There's never any like direct answer. Okay. Um, as far as deciding what to do, a lot of it is researching what other people are doing, what a lot of people want or are looking at. So like, okay, maybe Shopify was big now Shopify slowing down and digital agencies are the next big thing or growing a lot. You just got to see what other people are talking about, what other people are doing that are successful. And that'll kind of give you ideas. As soon as you stop learning, you're going to stop having ideas. Mm. So I spend a lot of time still researching Google, looking at what other people are doing, taking pictures of their web pages or saving their images, their copy and whatnot. How do you keep a pulse on like what is trending right now? Do you have like specific YouTube channels that you're always like looking at what kind of trends they're following or just like Googling? How do you, how do you keep a pulse on that? Um, usually I'll get a lot of comments on YouTube Mm. about certain things or I'll ask people what they're doing, what they're working on, uh, and polls and stuff. And I'll definitely look at YouTube channels. Um, Ty Lopez, Kevin David, uh, Ricky Gutierrez, anyone in the entrepreneur space that's pretty big. Um, see what they're doing. Sam Ovens, Dan Henry, anything around there. 100%, 100%. How do you, how do you set goals for yourself? Because I know a lot of people have a lot of different systems. Do you have like bigger goals that you're consistently working towards? Do you set smaller daily goals? What is, what does that goal setting process look like for you? 
Um, as far as I have some bigger ones that are in the future, mm -hmm. honestly, this year I didn't set any specific goals. Uh, I didn't feel like it's going to sound weird because I didn't sound, say this like a year or two ago, but I felt like I didn't need any. I just needed to work on what I knew needed to get done and mm -hmm. learn what I needed to learn. And I knew what that was. So it's not almost like I have goals this year. It's I have a to-do list. Hmm. I know what needs to be done. I know how to do it. I know I don't care the results it yields. I know it'll do well. Uh, how well? I'll optimize it. So I, I, there's no point of me making goals if it's a blind shot. I have more have a to-do list. So you can say goals that are action-oriented instead of result-based. I have zero result-based goals this year. Hmm. That's very interesting. When did you, when did you make that pivot? Is that like a 2019 thing or, or have you been doing that for a while? Um, like late 2018, uh, I got bored. I didn't know what to work on and I had these goals. I'm like, these are pointless if I have nothing to work on and don't know what to do. And so 2019 is kind of when it flipped. So I was only working like an hour or two a day. I'm like, I'm bored. I don't know what to work on. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I need to decide something, get a project, get things going. And now I've been working six, seven hours a day and actually enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people uh, think that they do want to get to like that one to two hour uh, day point. And a lot of people like they'll be fine there for a while. But I know myself, I got down to that point late last year. And I was just like, I don't have anything to do. Like, I want to be working on something. I want to be building something. I want to be yeah. like moving the needle forward. Um, and and sometimes you just have to like just start new projects and, and fill your time back up with things that you do truly enjoy. Yeah, I was going to make a Shopify store about something I was passionate about, but I was like, all right, you're wasting your time. You need to increase your income more. <laughs> Enjoy this because working is what I look forward to pretty much the most every single day. <laughs> so having something you enjoy working on or something, I just want something I can work on every day that works towards a bigger picture. Mm, that's the um, goal. That's the goal. And like, so such a small percentage of the US population is actually doing that. It's just, it's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy to see. I can't imagine working a nine to five. I'd quit. Dying. Yeah, no, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't function. Um, all right, so Tanner, I have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. Are you feeling ready for them? Yep. Wonderful. The first of which is what are you excited about right now? Clearly you're working on a lot of different things. You've got that big project you're working on, but like what are a couple things, whether they'll be in your business or in the wider realm of the world that you are excited about? This one big project. It's the only thing I'm working on right now. Uh, the main thing I'm excited about, um, I just bought, I put a contract on a house. It's going to have construction done. So I should be moving in a couple months. Uh, got a new car. That's fun. Uh, as far as that, I don't know. I'm open. I'm trying to be more open, uh, and say yes to more things, whether it's going places, doing things, doing interviews. Cause I'd always say no to them. Um, just things like that. Just changing towards the better. Solid. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be here today and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Yeah. Thank you for having me. For sure. Um, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, uh, whether those be in your business or in your life? It sounds like your day is pretty regimented, but do you have any um, uh, sort of smaller habits within that? Um, just the consistency is probably the main thing I'd say is probably one of my best attributes. Uh, just being consistent, being able to do something every single day for years on end. Mm. Um, tactics. One little thing that has helped me is having a dedicated work spot. Mm. I won't do anything else but work when I'm in this room. 
and I won't really work anywhere else. I don't know if that caused that, but I've always kind of been like that. I need a dedicated spot where I don't do anything else. Hmm. It's kind of like there's a study on people studying and they went to a spot they don't normally go and that's their study spot and they retain the information a lot better. I'm like that when it comes to working. Interesting. So dedicating a, a singular spot, they're like, okay, when I'm in this spot, I know it's work time. When I'm out of this spot, I know it's not work time. Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's definitely, that's definitely a good strategy for, for being able to separate those things in your mind, because I know I need to be either a hundred percent in or a hundred percent out. If I'm anywhere in the middle, it's just, it's, it's a mess. Nothing's getting done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then I'm just stressed out because I'm like, oh man, I want to be productive right now. And then I'm just trying to half-ass things and it's, it's just, it's just a mess. So I think yep. that could be a very good <laughs> <effective> strategy. <laughs> Um, so are you, it sounds like from what, from what we talked about that there is content that you are currently consuming. Um, so what, what kind of content are you listening to right now? Whether that be podcasts, YouTube videos, books you're reading. Um, what is, what is that looking like for you? Um, I'm not really reading any books right now. It's mainly just Googling different things, a little bit of YouTube. Um, but right now it's, I've learned what I want to learn. Now it's just looking at other people's stuff, getting, little ideas for little parts of the big project. Like, okay, what is this guy putting for his headline for a sales page or his bullet points or stuff like that. Hmm. Do you have like a massive swipe file of like all of the different things that you've come across that you want to implement into your own stuff? Yeah. I have a lot of people's web pages, all their ads, their webinars, uh, their lead magnets and eBooks and stuff, uh, in a file. Dang. Do you go through people's webinars too? Like the whole thing? Uh, no. Okay. Usually if there's someone that I know has a really good one, I'll send that video file to a website called rev.com mm -hmm. and it'll transcribe it yep. all. And then I'll go through it and go through it like that instead of watching an hour, two hour video. Mm, absolutely. It costs like a hundred dollars for, it's a dollar a minute. So if it's a two hour webinar, it's 120 bucks. So yeah, it's, it's not expensive at all. I've done that for a couple of those webinars actually when I was designing me and a buddy of mine are, are launching a project in the near future and we just did our webinar and we went through and grabbed Kevin David's and a couple other people, ODI productions, um, grabbed their webinars, got a transcript and, and based our stuff off of that. So I would highly, highly recommend that if anyone's looking to, to do a webinar. Yep. Um, all right. So Tanner, uh, one thing that I'm always really curious about with my guests is what they do that doesn't scale. So one thing that I'll do every day is I'll pull out my phone, I'll go on Instagram and I'll shoot, I usually about five people, a video DM, new followers, just being like, Hey, what's up? My name's Apple. I appreciate the follow. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Have a wonderful day. Just very simple. Um, and I'll record that, send it to like five, I'll, I'll record like five of them and send them to different people. Um, and that's something that, that doesn't inherently scale. I mean, I could just record one message, mass send it out to a bunch of people. It's not really what I want to do. That's not really the point of it. Um, so is there anything that comes to mind for you and your business that has that personal like Tanner J. Fox touch to it um, that you can think of? The only thing I could think of is replying to every message on any platform. So mm -hmm. whether it's Facebook, Instagram, email, I don't reply to every YouTube comment, but I read them all. Wow. Uh, so pretty much being not transparent, but available hmm. for people. I mean, and that, that really, that really goes a long way. Cause there's, I mean, there's so many people out there in this industry that just don't do that at all and really just do not foster that relationship. So it, it really goes a long way. Yeah. It's the whole trust factor. Hmm. 100%, 100%. So Tanner, where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, find out more about what you're doing and what you're up to? Um, let us know where, where we should send our listeners. Just, I'd say YouTube name is Tanner J. Fox. You forget the J, you won't find me. Uh, <laughs> same thing on Instagram, just Tanner J. Fox run together. 
Awesome. And I will provide links to both of those in the show notes below for y'all to check out. Tanner, thank you so much for joining us on Young Smart Money today. Do you have any last parting words of wisdom, final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners today? Consistency is key. It's the only reason I'm here. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to know anything. All the information's out there. Go learn it, apply it. If it doesn't work, test it until it does because everything works. There we go. There we go. All right, Tanner, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Young Smart Money. If you want to support the show, you can do so in three different ways. You can subscribe, you can leave me five, and you can share this episode with a friend. To subscribe, all you got to do is click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. To leave me five, all you got to do is scroll all the way down to the bottom of the podcast's page for Young Smart Money and click on the Write a Review button. And to share with a friend, all you got to do is screenshot yourself listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, tag me, and I'll be sure to repost it in my Instagram story as well. I love giving you guys some attention who are listening to the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Real quick, just launched a new project called the Online Course Examiner, basically the Yelp of online courses. It is blowing up lately, Online Course Examiner. Examiner.com. Check it out.